This is Funny Feelings Podcast with myself, Maria Guyman, and Liza Ruckel. <laughs> and we are so honored to have the actress, Emily Mead, who has been in many, many movies and on HBO, Broadwalk Empire, Leftovers. Yeah, and <laughs> well, I watched them all. Oh, wow. And The Deuce. Yeah. So I know Emily because she came to me as a client and we're friends now and um, we have a really lovely relationship so she came for healing work and just to help stay balanced and to stay healthy and I learned so much about Emily that she's a wonderful beautiful very (laughs) deep and sensitive soulful person. Emily um, thank you so much for joining us today. The theme of our episode is going to be about setting boundaries and we're specifically gonna talk to you about your role on the HBO show The Deuce, your role as Lori. The Deuce is a series that also stars Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Franco, and it's about the rise of sex workers in New York City in the 1970s and eventually the start of the porn industry. And so on that show, there's a lot of sex scenes and Today we're going to hear from you about how you went to HBO with the request to make sex scenes safer, um, both for you and for your character, Lori, and for the other people, other actors and actresses who were impacted by this. And to make them actually really emotionally safer and to create boundaries for yourself when entering into a sex scene with a new person. Can you tell us about yourself and about your work as Lori? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, kind of a long, lifelong story that got me to this point. But, um, yeah, overall in my career, I've been very sexualized, um, which I do think is a reflection of a lot of my own personal inner stuff that, you know, has, I've carried with me in my life. That have, I feel like the roles you get are often kind of a reflection of something that's unsettled inside of you. Um, so yeah, I've, I originally wanted to be a comedian, but somehow I turned out to be frequently playing these very tragic and sexual, but always sexual in a sort of sad, like there's a, not just like fun, sexy, like sexy with a, with a weight to it. Um, so on the deuce, I play Lori who, she started out as a prostitute and then she becomes a porn star and and the show is essentially about the start of porn and the porn industry Mm -hmm. so you kind of follow my character through what happened to a lot of people where they go from being a street street hooker to a porn star that's where originally porn stars came from prostitutes and um on the show i have obviously a lot of sexuality which is very important to the show and part of the storytelling um but it's a reality that you have to, when doing your job, be nude and be vulnerable and be in a certain position. And um, things kind of all just came together in this really kismet way. Emily, we first met while you were filming season one and you were struggling. What was going on? In season one, I think I was realizing a lot of things about the process of me having to sort of constantly relive a lot of my own trauma or kind of put up walls to protect myself in order to perform. And that was a lot of what I actually even was talking about in sessions with Liza and kind of I was wanting to get to an even deeper level with healing whatever those things inside of me that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with my personal life but also are reflected in my artistry. So I was having a really hard time finding balance between how to 
you know, do my job of detaching and, and portraying this tragedy without having to detach from my own ex- relationship with it. And so while this was all happening and I was realizing this, me too, and time's up, and was exploding and the volcano of all the information and our show actually came into the conversation with people who had accusations and um, it was the first time in my career that I kind of realized that I was even at all relevant to what was happening and I was on a show about sex and people being taken advantage of sexually while we were talking as a kind of as a world together about people being taken advantage advantage in actuality in this industry um and i realized for the first time i was kind of allowed to be unhappy or want something to be different whereas as we were kind of hearing from so many stories for so long people not just women but obviously women maybe more so in this industry have just it's just been part of it whether you're being sexualized by your bosses in a you know, uncomfortable way of crossing boundaries for jobs or whether it's in your actual performance, you're having to be sexualized in a way that isn't necessarily always comfortable. So that kind of culminated for me in a moment of me having to ask myself what my responsibility was in this kind of greater picture while at the same time my personal responsibility to myself. You just had this experience of your personal life, your acting role, and the greater cultural dialogue at the moment with the Me Too movement all coming together, and you sought out help at HBO. Funny enough, this position already existed, called an intimacy coordinator, but nobody in the industry really knew about it. But this position was really only being used in theater, and I think that probably was birthed more from the fact that in a play it's a lot harder to make sex look real because you can't cut away and you have you're watching the entire process so I think that's why they even got one Mm -hmm. and it hadn't at all made its way to film or television or to any it, it wasn't being utilized for the fact that it's also an important tool in protecting so I went to HBO not knowing this existed but saying that I think for both myself and all the people on the show because it's about porn so there's people coming on for one episode for one scene who are having to be nude and sexual and they obviously do not feel in a position to advocate for themselves because you know that's the general tone of the industry is that you are lucky to be there and you should be grateful so I felt for myself and for everybody involved that there should be an advocate and a liaison and someone who's there who their only job is to facilitate the sex scenes and protect the actors in them and to both kind of coordinated and and figure out how to do it properly, but also to just be there as someone to go to that doesn't have any other motives or priorities. Even if everyone cares about your comfortability, there's people worrying about money, there's people worrying about creative, whereas I wanted someone there who their only job was to deal with sexuality. So I went to HBO and I said that I wanted that, which shouldn't be such a scary, hard thing, but it was. And I had to be kind of willing to accept that, you know, I could, there could be a bad reaction. I could have to not be on the show anymore. I could have to, who knows how it could go. And they were very compliant, obviously, and because it happened. And they very quickly hired uh, an intimacy coordinator who named Alicia Rodas for our show, who had already been doing it. But Again, none of us knew that. Mm. And um, now the show has her. And now HBO has actually made it a rule for all of their shows that they all have to have an intimacy coordinator. And now Netflix is doing that. 
So Sorry, is, that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's right. perfect. <laughs> is an intimacy coordinator like a therapist? Are they an actor? Like, where are they going They're usually from? their training. I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but for Alicia, and I think many of them, they're, they're, her, Alicia's specific background is acting and actually was stunt coordinating originally, which was actually kind of part of my point of when I went to HBO and my, my point of why we needed this is on, you know, for film and television and theater from the big for a very long time certainly since I've been in the industry you've had to have a stunt coordinator if there's any sort of even like hint of violence if there's an animal on set there has to be someone to watch over the animal if there's a child on set there has to be someone to watch over the child so I was like well with sexuality that's such a vulnerable thing and it's physical and they're just like a stunt there's actual choreography to it and so Alicia was originally a an actor and stunt coordinator and I still think does that um, and then that somehow started to evolve into sexual choreography. So she's a mixture of things. So she, I don't think she has any sort of therapy training, but um, she's basically she helps to choreograph and actually plan out the sex scenes. She helps to facilitate ways to protect, whether it's through like actual physical protectors you know there, we have fake, fake penises and we have things that cover our vagina or and also it's just there to you know kind of have really um off the record conversations about whatever the feeling and emotional aspect of it that you're feeling and whatever you know so for me i i utilize i feel like i utilize her for that the most like if there's something that comes up in a script i go to her and say okay i'm a little worried about this detail like last season there was a there's an episode where i had to pretend to give oral sex to a fake penis essentially and that was something that i was very worried about for many reasons <laughs> it was scary to do it in action in front of everybody on a set but also i was like this in especially now in the age of the internet like that image will exist for the rest of my life mm. so even that just to talk that out with somebody and to kind of figure out what about it makes me uncomfortable and how to do it in the way that's the most comfortable and also have the option of knowing now that there's someone advocating for you, if push came to shove and you really didn't want to do it, you could actually say no and you could have someone else say no for you. So no, she's not a therapist per se, but kind of acts as one <laughs> in many ways. That's amazing that yeah. you, I mean, how was that for you in your body and like having to go to HBO and like, really, it's so brave that you changed it for everyone. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think the only reason I even could have the bravery is that I felt like I had a easily easy solution. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I could have had the courage to go if I didn't have an idea of how to actually make it better. Um, and I think that's been a lot of what we're trying to figure out in the Time's Up movement and Me Too is how to bring it just from kind of pointing to the problem and punishing people who have been a part of the problem, take it from that to actually evolving it and changing it without just having to remove. Because if you, you know, I keep saying, but if you remove every single person that has blood on their hands in this issue, then no one's left because there's always going to be people who perpetuated it either by witnessing things that they didn't change or by letting things happen to them. So now I think it's really important trying to find ways to, you know, evolve what exists instead of try to get rid of it. And for me, it, would, it seemed like an easy, obvious answer to it. And so it was terrifying and I was, and it's been a journey. It's not like it wasn't like a overnight I told them and that happened. You know, there was issues with them talking about it publicly because, you know, people didn't want it. We, it's dangerous because you, you're so afraid. Everybody's so 
trigger happy and sensitive to every single word and what it might mean. And people are kind of constantly looking to catch somebody revealing something. So between last February and now has been very stressful, not just at the point of going to HBO, but then when it came time to do press for the show, I was afraid because I didn't want to get anyone in trouble. I didn't know how to frame it. And I found a way to speak about it that people have responded so well which has been really inspiring and exciting that I feel like a lot of what's missing from this conversation is nuance. And if you actually speak with nuance, people do understand it. <laughs> and, that, you know, people aren't stupid. I mean, it seems like a very reasonable request that <laughs> yeah. has just kind of been overlooked. It's insane, yeah. And I think a lot of why it's, it's funny because a lot of people have asked me why is it overlooked, and I think it's a mixture of just business and money, and people don't want to spend money on anything that's not demanded but also I think because sexuality is such a triggering and sensitive and mysterious thing for people that I think it, it's a subject that people are so avoidant in talking about that they can't even talk about, you know, how to facilitate it properly or, like, admit what makes them uncomfortable or admit, you know, on both sides, on the re- person who's acting or on the production end. It's just, it's like, you know, forever, obviously, sex has been something that's hard to talk about. So I think that's why we haven't even, like found a way to admit, yes, it's sensitive, we need to treat it sensitively. I mean, also, I would have never thought, like, an intimacy coordinator, like, but when you say, like, for a stunt, I would think, of course there's someone coordinating the stunt. Of course there's someone taking care of the child or the animal. But because sex is, like, taboo and people don't want to talk about it, but you're being put in these positions where you're expressing yourself in a sexual way, and you need that support. Exactly. Well, that's what, yeah, like, uh, stunt is outwardly physically dangerous, but sex is emotionally dangerous. But that's the thing, because it's in a silent, invisible way. Exactly. So no one can, you know, no one wants to talk about it. So that was very scary to have to, and it's still, I mean, it's so, it's embarrassing. There's so much shame of even saying, I, you know, you feel like the party pooper, which I did, to be like, I don't feel comfortable with this. And then a lot of people, not HBO, but more people removed from the show's reaction is like, well, you signed up to be a porn star. What were you expecting? And I'm like, well, it's, it's acting. I signed up to tell a story. I didn't sign up to feel uncomfortable. And there are ways to do this that you can minimize your uncomfortability. And we're seeing that now that there really is. Funny feelings. I mean, I would say, because I'm older than... The two of you, you're both 30, and I'm 46. (laughs) You both just turned 30. Yeah. I also notice, like, because I work with a lot of young women as clients, and I think that you're changing how you act sexually, like, your body image. Like, everything is so different from when I was 30, Mm -hmm. 16 years ago. And it makes me so happy. Like, I feel like younger women are really taking care of themselves, really standing up for themselves, expressing themselves on such different levels, not being ashamed of their body or ashamed of expressing their sexuality, but actually saying more what they need and figuring out how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, proud of the younger women. I, like, love working with them and being with you all because— it's like, it's just, it's really different than when I was 30. Yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah, I was whatever, 15 or whatever yeah. I was at the time. And it was 
yeah, a very different world that we were being raised in. So it's a fairly weird time to try to, like, pivot that. We were kind of raised one way, and then to be changing it is... It's amazing (laughs) that you could do that, even though I know it was really scary, and it was, like, giving you, like, stomach aches and upset feelings, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm finally now in the place of feeling the, like, peace. But, yeah, it was, like, a year of kind of fear and anxiety over so many things but now it's very worth it how do you relate differently to Lori now since also her character changed so yeah. greatly and mm-hmm. she's like no. this, <laughs> she's really the star of the thank show oh, and i could see you as a comedian thank you I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's, <laughs> that's the, the player, is that yeah. the ultimate goal yeah <laughs> which is yeah people don't i mean I'd like to still do all things, but that was like my original plan was like to be on Saturday Night Live and be I Love Lucy. I that I did not realize. I think the yeah the tragedy started coming to the surface as I got older, and to me now I think the first season I feel like there was a lot more of a defensive protective energy where because there wasn't nearly as much protection and. Just a feeling of being taken care of. Like, just, again, to have an intimacy coordinator, you know no matter what happens, you have an advocate. Whereas in the first season and many sex scenes I had before, even if nothing bad was happening, you just had to constantly be on alert of, you know, it's like when you're a woman walking down the street alone at night or whatever, that feeling of like, oh, I'm not safe, versus when you're in a group of people, you have that safety. It sounds like you made some big changes in your work life and created boundaries. The first season, I was often having to do what I had done many times, had done in my personal life, which was kind of disassociate and shut down when I did those scenes. And so I was simultaneously having to do that, but then starting to dive more into healing and really wanting to not disassociate and really wanting to connect myself to my body. Did that affect your relationship to Lori? I've noticed that my approach to her has really softened over the seasons because I find so much more empathy and sweetness in her because, I don't know, I can relax and and step back and see that and I don't have to be on the defense. As a woman... As you get older, you definitely become more confident sexually. And, like, you you are just both 30. And that's, like, I really feel like when you turn 30, you have be- you're like, wow. Like, the sexual confidence just, like, really comes into your body. And you really enjoy sex more. And, like, there's, like, this different feeling to explore and to be. It's, it's like a wonderful awakening, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm wondering, like... You turn 30, you found this new sexual confidence, and, like, yeah. how is that manifesting now? I mean, for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Jump in, lady. Ah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I feel like a big part of it is just being able to be honest. And if someone's, like, just kind of, like, not taking things personally and also, like, not putting things on other people and just being, like, this is where I'm at with you or with anybody. I don't, like, that's kind of where I feel like 
better about that. Like, I feel like, not to say that this has just happened since I've been 30, but it actually kind of has. Where I'm just like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it, it really it's happens. It's true. 30 is a very instantly transformative. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of like, if this same situation had happened like a year ago, I would have been really upset and obsessing over it. And, it's ha- and now it's happened like multiple times with like completely different unrelated scenarios. And I'm just like, if this isn't happening with this particular person, somebody else is just going to come along and like, a month and mm-hmm. it's going to be totally fine. Mm-hmm. So that has been really cool. Yeah, I think I've had two really important changes that then have like trickled into many things that I think I think it's true. It's a mixture of I mean it's also been sad and re- my sad in return and I guess yours as well if we're born the same yeah, year. Yeah, I think it like or ends when right you're next, 30. Right? Well, it depends on it depends. Yeah, it depends on like it's it's generational like wherever Saturn is when you're born, but then also like the exact points of like the degree of Saturn it's specific to each person of like when the degree of Saturn is I think mine ended and like late into being 29 or something mine yeah I went through the big climax of it during all of this which is no coincidence and now it's still technically Saturn is in Capricorn which is where it was when I was born maybe not if you're born in 88 end of 88 so um so it's still like existing but now I've I've gotten over the hump but that's (laughs) tangential but um but so between the process of standing up for myself and not personally and publicly about sexuality and having needs and sensitivity I've also kind of I think the two things that but then yeah turning 30 and just having more experience (laughs) than like because I also was I was such a codependent from the time I was like 12 till 25 that i felt like a, I was an early bloomer, but then a late bloomer in the fact of just dating and meeting people. And um, I think from this process of standing up for myself and age, I've both stopped feeling like a victim sexually. And I think I didn't realize that I always, no matter what, basically, like in my job, it was being perpetuated that I was kind of constantly a sexual victim. And um, that was being pushed into me deeper. But then I had this kind of Pavlovian response to if I had sex with someone, it felt like they were somehow taking something from me or winning or stealing something, especially if they then didn't want more, whether I wanted more with them or not. Um, And then that has both made me more aware of what I want on a deeper level, but also more capable of whatever, having sex that is just sex or what we call it, casual sex or whatever it is, or enjoying sex without feeling like I'm being victimized and then um now i forgot what this, the other thing i was gonna say that was really important but um now i'm forgetting i don't want to waste time <laughs> there's two important things that changed that but uh yeah i guess that's yeah, yeah. Well, i also wonder because it sounds like you just moved into an and i also just moved into a new apartment and i'm like obsessed with it just like having a space that feels like a home and i'm just i feel like as soon as i turned 30 i was like i need to be in a space that feels like mine and yeah. i can just like i think yeah. that adds to the comfort of it too just like having a place that you've like unpacked and you like can like live freely in yeah. is really i is and it doesn't have to be like an apartment or it doesn't have to be anything like specific like that, but just kind of the idea of like, oh, I can, because I feel also like every time I've moved somewhere, I've always just been like, okay, where am I going next? Like never thinking like, why don't I just stay here for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. 
And right now I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I can just like stay here for a little bit and yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, I think that. Well, it's funny because for me, it's the rever- I actually moved to this place in last April, so it took me a year to actually. And I think that's almost me like actually nesting in it. Was but a, you were having all those transits, so many transits with the Saturn yeah. return and everything. At and work. exactly. And I think after that, now I've been able to sort of nest and because I think also for me I mean I have yeah I mean I have so many attachments to again sex and codependence and um that I really feel have changed but I think part of it is I'm always waiting for like the next stage of life whether it's to meet someone or to move in with someone or to have bait whatever it is so I'm like always kind of have one foot out the door whereas this is the first time I'm like well whatever I obviously want those things to happen at some point but this for now is my space and I can enjoy that <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like when I was 30, I also lived by myself. And I think it's really important because it's just like, it's like the container, like the intimacy. I feel like I keep changing the names of the in- intimacy coordinator. Yeah, it's confusing. <laughs> I was like calling them a sensitivity coach yeah, for quite works. a while. That, that works. Anyway, that person was like the container on set for you to like really just be able to act and be an artist and get into all the emotions. And like for both of you, I feel like the apartment alone is like that's like the canvas to like Mm -hmm. be find your true sexual self like figure out what else you love doing like work on your comedy make your teas Mm -hmm. like do all of these different things and like that's what like I so enjoyed as a young person living alone Mm -hmm. and also like it's nice to have like your own secrets yeah you know like you live (laughs) by yourself and like Nobody is there watching anything that you do. And there's like a freedom in having that that actually helps you really develop into who you want to be as a woman. And it's not like you're doing anything harmful, but like you're doing things that you just want to do without having the pressure or the judgment of anyone around you. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I um, had this relationship and and my mom has this friend, Judy, who is like, the total bombshell when we were growing up, like so beautiful, perfect body, like always in bikini, Mm -hmm. like so gorgeous. And when I was breaking up with this person, she was like, "Han, why did you break up? And I said, well, we just like, it wasn't working, but we were so connected physically. And she said, oh, Lisa, you're going to have great sex with tons of people. Like you can have like... Don't just think like that's one person. And I think the problem that we run into as women is thinking that like having sex with people casually, like having adult sex for Mm -hmm. the pleasure of having sex, which is actually really important for your health Mm -hmm. and your body, like is wrong or we have to feel guilty or we have to feel like you mentioned like thinking you wanted a relationship or that you don't even want one, but you just want them to want it with you. And it's like... (laughs) All of those things, like those negative beliefs or things from the past that like just have to go out the window. Like I think it's the most important thing for women in their 30s to feel really proud of themselves for all of what they have inside and to celebrate their sexuality because yeah. it's it's really a special time. I know. It's, it's fun. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also having fun. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't go away either. Yeah. Like you have, now I'm 46. I still have it. 
I just have it with my husband who's listening. Yeah, but that's beautiful. But that's I'm well. That's how I feel. I and as you know, and and many times I've been upset about. I want to find the person or whatever the father of my children. I do, but each day that goes by that I whatever learn something new or evolve, I'm like, thank God I didn't before today. Thank God I didn't before. And so now I'm like, well, who knows? It will happen when it's supposed to happen, and who knows what I'll learn between now and the day it happens that I'll be so grateful I had before that. So, like you said, having that before, I think that's part of why you can have a lovely marriage. covered so much today. Sensitivity, coach, sexuality in your 30s, boundaries, and just being yourself. This is Funny Feelings Podcast. I'm Maria Guyman. And I'm Liza Ruckel. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit our website, funnyfeelingspodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram at funnyfeelingspodcast.